We would like to acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the lands and waters where we're recording from, the Awabakal and Wanarua peoples. We acknowledge the Awabakal and Wanarua elders, both past and present. Coming to you live. Oh, Jesus Christ. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> hell. This might be a short back and size intro today, mate. <laughs> on the field for the Newcastle Knights. Darren Tracy, his first touch of the footy. Now Andrew Johns. Sights a little hole himself. He's close. Right. He reaches out. That's a tie to Andrew Johns. Root streak from the little halfback. And that's a good reward for a great game in his debut match for the Newcastle Knights in first grade. Andrew Johns scores the try and that should wrap it up for the night. Look, coming to you live from a Wabakal and Unarula lands. This is the Bay 53 podcast and we are part of the sport's best friend podcasting network. Still brought to you by A-plus contracting and poly welding. Well, the Knights men's team have put in a disappointing performance against the Sharks at Shark Park, and the home team has put the cleaners right through us accordingly. As always, though, the Newcastle Knights are making more noise off the park than on it, and we go through yet another eventful week of Knights fandom here at Bay 53. Brado, have you um have you had an, uh, enough time, do you reckon, to come to terms with what happened on Friday? Yeah, mate, I was, I was filthy on the night, as you know, for my many messages in the chat group. But after watching it on Saturday, yeah, I've sort of come to terms with it. Hey, um, just before we jump into the game, we, we've been using it for a few weeks now. We haven't really had an opportunity to um, to give it a bigger uh, pump up. Uh, I'm loving our new theme. Um, we we got in contact with uh, uh, Nah Mate, uh, a local, local crew here in Newcastle. And uh, they put together um, this. Uh, that is a purpose, a purpose-built, uh, specific Bay 53 podcast theme that they've done for us. That's opening our show now, and um, we're very big fans of it. I think it's going well. Yeah, well, it sounds good, mate. I like it. Yeah, no, very impressive. Thanks, guys. Sum, sums us up to a T. Absolutely. <clears throat> um, yeah, I, 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 it's. Um, I think what was the most uh, – the hardest thing while watching the game on Friday night was absolutely that the, the three weeks pr- previous, it was just a performance that sort of came out of nowhere. Like it really was just something that was unexpected. Um, and you, you and I were sort of discussing. I was like, oh, no, here we go again. It's the same old nights. Where has this come from? We're not up for it, and um, yeah, it was. Uh, it's just a really disappointing way to um, to end the week. Yeah, that's what stung me, mate. I really thought, oh shit, here we go again. We're not, you know. I thought that we'd moved on. We're not that team anymore. And that that performance was very, yeah, it was very sort of old school nights. Um, flat as attack, and, and as we discussed previously. I was sort of knowing the first 10 minutes how I think the night's going to go, and I don't think that's been the case this year, but I'd message you within 10 minutes saying, yeah, we're not on today. So you're, you're, you, you sell yourself short there. Your experience is usually, you know, within the first 10 seconds <laughs> whether we're there or not. Mate, I want to go through some of the other results um, from the, um, the round thus far, and then we'll get that out of the way and jump on to the, to the, um, to the night's game. So, um, yeah, let's, uh, let's do a very quick around the grounds. Thursday night kicked things off with um, 
Oh, you had to be uh, you had to be very uh, strong strong will to get through this one. Eight six to the Titans uh, over the Tigers up at uh, the Gold Coast. Uh, solid solid grand final replay between the Panthers and the Rabbitohs. Panthers again winning at home, twenty six to twelve. I don't think the Panthers lose another game in Penrith. Uh, until yeah, they... I, yeah, I, I think I think that that stadium will now not see another Penrith loss. It'll get torn yeah. down without Penrith losing there again. Yeah, Warriors um, got the job done against the Broncos on Saturday, twenty points to six, and the Broncos were horrifically disappointing uh, on Saturday. Oh, were they? I only seen patches of that game, so they were, they were bad, were they, Brisbane? Yeah, disjointed, um, lack of fluidity in attack. Um, again, the Warriors tried as hard as they could to play poorly, and they still won by um, by two by more than two tries. So um, yeah, a lot of lot of problems. Again. He's done it again, the big man. <laughs> a lot of problems up there in Brisbane uh, at the moment. Manly got the job done over the Raiders, um, twenty five points to six. DCE put on an absolute masterclass at halfback. Um, he probably showed why at the moment he's um, he is one of the pro, like top two, top three halfbacks in the game. Yeah, he's still he's still number two for mine. I, you know, I don't I don't think he's consistency or his best is anywhere on the same planet as Cleary. But yeah, yep. no, he's, he's still he's still number two for mine. Mate, I, I want to have a, a bit of a chat with you about the Roosters Cowboys game. Roosters uh, won this twenty eight points to four up in Townsville. Um, I thought the I still think the scoreline was generous to the Cowboys. I think the Roosters looked like they were in a mood to put fifty on on Saturday night, um, but were the were the Roosters that good, or were the Cowboys that bad, or do you think the answer was somewhere in between? I think it was what, honestly, I think it's what both teams were. What I thought they were coming into the start of the season. I don't think the yeah. Cowboys. Wherever go, I, I, you know, my my Cowboys are my tip for the spoon and bottom two at least. But I don't think that they're a team that will regularly get blown out because they're they try they they genuinely try every week. But they were just not on the same class as the Roosters when the Roosters wanted to put it to him. But I also think last night's game said a lot of bad things about the Roosters this year. They really yeah. seemed like they just want to play when they want to play. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and they were like that against us. You know, when they were when they were putting in, you know. We were all out trying to hold them out. They looked dangerous at times, but they just didn't want to put in the hard yards when we were willing to do that. Um, same against um, South, same thing. Every time they sort of put a bit of effort in, they'd get back into the game and then they'd drop off again and South would kick away again. Um, yeah, and, and last night was the same. They just, yeah, they you know, they played okay. They played some really nice football at times, but they just didn't want to really put in any um, effort in at times. Also, I, I'm sort of really... Um, up in the air about where the Roosters stand this year. Who in that Roosters team do you reckon needs to take charge of the of the players on the park to sort of get an eighty minute consistent performance out of them? Is, is it Tedesco as captain? Is it Walker or Cleary in the halves? Is it one of the forwards? Is it Manu their best their best player at the moment? Who needs to who needs to be the man to say no no we're going to be put in an eighty minute performance here and I'm going to lead the charge. Well, I think the, the fact that the centre is their clear best player this year says it all, really. Yeah. You know, their forwards are playing in spurts. JWH, and this is not unlike JWH, he quite often starts his season slowly, but he's not having the impact, you know, in leading that forward pack forward. They're quite inexperienced on the edges with Butcher and uh, Tupanua. Um, Connor Watson, you know, is sort of, I think Connor will be okay in the long run, but so far he's started a bit slowly. Um 
Kiri's obviously coming back from an ACL, so you, it's understandable he's he's um you know he's he's a bit slow sort of off to get off and running this year. Walker second year syndrome maybe you know he's he's hyped beyond extremes, uh, maybe a bit there. But and, and Teddy's trying hard, but I think Teddy um. I'm not going to say his his best is behind him because it's not. He's still very very good, mm. but I don't think Teddy is a, like a turbo type. I don't think Teddy can just you know tear games apart like Turbo can anymore. No, I agree with that. I um, I, I so, agree with you. I still think I still think Teddy's probably the the best fullback going around at the moment. Um, but you know like, you can only maintain that peak for so long. I think he's probably come back a step or two, but he was so far ahead of the rest anyway as it was. It doesn't mean that he's um, left that top tier elite level. Yeah, I think he these days he has more um, like seven and eight out of ten games rather than ten out of tens, yeah. which is great. Like you know that's great if you can get your best player to be perform at seven eight every week. That's that's fantastic. But I don't think he has you know the ten out of tens week after week like Turbo can anymore. Mate, I, I don't know if you wanted to keep talking about the Roosters. I want to divert for a little while there, and it's just something you said about seven out of ten performances. Um, that sort of triggered my memory in the Looney Clunes chat uh, on, I think, Friday it was. Mate, I, I want to have a bit of a chat with you about Dylan Edwards because uh, I have enjoyed nothing, nothing more than um, going to absolute town on Dylan for the last two years as the passenger of fullbacks extraordinaire that has just had this coattail ride behind this amazing uh, team to enjoy... Uh, uh, unheralded, unrivaled success, premiership, and um, to um, you know accumulate statistics that have previously been unheard of. Have, have, have we been too hard on Dylan though over the last two years? I, I think he has been exceptional this year, and I don't enjoy saying that, but I'm sort of trying to call it as it might actually, in fact, be. I'll give you two ways of looking at it. Um... No, I don't think it's harsh on Dylan Edwards to say that, you know, he's sort of, um, yeah, the the weak link's not the right word, but the weakest part of their spine. Like, that's clear. Um, and I think that he's lucky in terms of he comes through the Penrith system and he fell into the perfect team. Penrith don't need him to be outstanding. They need him to be very good every week. And he's very good every week. That's that's what he does. He doesn't he doesn't make many mistakes. Um the thing that I, I'd never have agreed with, and I, and I say to, to rile Penrith fans up, but I don't agree with that he's Matt Dufty in a good team because I actually think he's the exact opposite to Matt Dufty. Matt Dufty can be pathetic and brilliant and sometimes <laughs> on the same day. <laughs> in Dylan the same place. Dylan Ables is neither of those things. Yeah. He's he's very good or he's pretty good, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And if he has a poor game, he has a, you know, I oh, didn't play well today. You know, there's no, oh, my God, Dylan Edwards, did you see how bad he played? Mm. Um, he's actually he's just he, he he lucked into it. Is probably not the right way to say, it, but that's what he's done. He's lucked into the perfect team for him. He yep. just their spine does all the attacking, all the flair, and he runs hard, hits holes. He can finish. He doesn't make mistakes at the back. He's a good enough link man. His ball skills good enough to link their back line. You know they essentially play with two fullbacks. With Stephen Crichton, you know, quite often plays the fullback type role in attack. Um, yeah, no, uh, no, I, I, I'm re- and he did, but this year he's been outstanding. Maybe that premiership, you know, was just what he needed to sort of give him the confidence that, yeah, he's there to stay. There's always been talk about Penrith, you know, do they need to go after a top, a top two fullback to push him over the top? But clearly they don't now because they're the best team in the comp by a long way. 
I thought um, I thought my cousin summed it up really well uh, in the chat when he when I was because I made the controversial statement that you know probably at the moment Dylan Edwards is probably a, a better fullback or playing better as a better fullback than KP. And I got howled down like that, and I'm I'm glad I'm glad I was. It's pro. I hope I'm not right, but um, you know, my cousin sort of pointed out. Look, you know, in four rounds, you've gotten four seven out of ten performances by um, by Dylan, whereas with KP thus far, you've gotten a seven, a zero, a zero, and a two. So, um, you know, from that perspective, you could, you probably could say that. But the thing is, is that you you may well get to the end of the season, and you'll have twenty four seven out of tens with. With Dylan, which for the Penrith Panthers right now is is absolutely all you need. He could probably drop back down to a six out of ten, and that's still all that they sort of need. So, but I just think I think Dylan sort of um, you know someone has to be there to do the job, and he does the job, and he does that job every week. And uh, credit to him, I think he's um, I think he's playing well. Yeah, another thing I'll give him credit for the last couple of weeks is he's taken on. Um, where normally, obviously, Toto's their uh, their meter reader at. Uh, kick returns, and Dylan Edwards will quite often look for him to give him the ball for that reason. Edwards has taken mm. those hard carries himself. Mm. You know, he hasn't yeah. handed it off to the young fella on the wing, Taylor May. He's let Taylor yeah, do his do his job and do what he's comfortable doing, and he's actually himself taken on the role of yeah, hitting the ball up hard on those kick returns, so, which to me says that you know he, he's, he knows his game so well that he then can, can change his role to, to suit what the team needs from him. Yep. And, yeah, and that's and that's all they need because they've got you know they've got the best halfback in the comp. They've got one of the best two or three five eights in the comp. Abby Corrissiao is easily a top five hooker. They don't need Dylan Edwards to be a top five fullback. They need Dylan Edwards to not be a bottom five fullback. Yeah, no, completely agree, mate. Um, one last thing before we do um get onto the Knights game, and I just sort of I, I think it's more just to wrap it up. I don't really want to. I have no interest in going back into it. Uh, it too much in depth, although there is one thing that I do want to say about it. So Mitchell Barnett got six weeks for his um, elbow to um, to uh, Smith's head in last week's game. Somehow he managed to get himself a 300% discount. Oh. <laughs> so uh, you, you all immediately reflect, reflect my thoughts on it. He, got, um, he should be a very, very happy boy with that outcome. Yeah, that was, um, I don't know, like, for starters, that that shows how ridiculous the whole thing is starting their um their points loading back to zero is because just with his record, even if he had a six week charge, with his record, it means he probably would have got ten or twelve. Yeah. So that's that's just points ridiculous. But just simply on the charge itself, it should have been ten to twelve. Yeah. Been, you know. The only thing that I really wanted to sort of talk about, and this is more of a a legalistic um. In you know, interpretation is there's a lot of talk about oh was it careless or was it deliberate and I sort of I was a bit surprised that there was any consideration that was anything other than deliberate and the only reason I say that is that my understanding has always been if I'm swinging my arm in a tackle it it's careless if I swing it and it inadvertently goes high okay it's very hard to prove that the swinging arm is deliberately going high. But on the same, but on the back of that, if I cock my elbow, that is a deliberate action. It, 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 wherever the elbow, wherever the elbow is going, I have to deliberately cock it in readiness to make impact with another player. So, uh, for me, that's right. You know, so he's not the, the the cocked elbow is not a footy action, is it? 
That's you know, exactly like right. People, people say about the swing arm, the swing arm across the chest is still a legitimate football tackle. It's it's it silly. You really shouldn't be swinging your arm at all. But it's a legitimate, you know, tackle if you swing your arm and smash someone across the chest with it. Yep, that's correct. fine. At no state, at no part of rugby league is the cocktail bow okay. I mean, cocktail bow into the rib cage is not okay. You know. So I think that's why I was I was in the end I was confused by the finding is that the the, the NRL was saying it, at least careless it should be eight but if it's deliberate it should be more and I sort of thought to myself well it can't be anything other than deliberate because you're cocking your elbow um, for a, a player that's off the ball and he even said himself oh, I was sort of bracing for impact and I'm like well. To be honest with you, all that says to me is you, you knew exactly what you were doing. Uh, you so, knew the guy was there. Like, you knew the guy was there. That's the thing. It's, it'd be different if he said, if he came out and said, this guy got me in the blind spot. I didn't know he was there. The last minute I've spotted him and he, and put my arm up. And he, he half said that. But he but then he contradicted himself and said, oh, I was bracing for impact. But you... You don't. You don't have. You just brace for impact the last second. You don't have time to lift your elbow from your side all the way up to your head. To your head in you know half a millisecond. It's. I I was actually aghast at, at the Knights' um, defense in terms of. I was like, none of that makes any sense. Yeah. But it worked. Yep, and credit to them. And uh, you know they we're we're thin on the back, thin in the back row at the moment, so we need as many available as we can. But I think that that was, that was really all I wanted to say. I'm not saying whether they got it right or wrong. I just thought it was interesting line of argument about whether or not it was deliberate or careless. Because I was yeah. like, well, you know, the, the cocking. That's not deliberate. The... There is no deliberate other than a punch. The only way anything yeah. can be more deliberate is if you if you punch someone. Yeah, exactly. Um, but the one thing I will say about the whole thing. Barney's cost us two games because he cost us last week and he cost us this week because we were so flat this week from playing for 12 last week. And he might cost us some more because our back row stocks are so um, low because of injuries now. It looks like Frizz has done a, um, a slight heavy twinge, so he's probably going to miss a couple of weeks. He, you know, that dumb piece of crap from him might cost us three or four games. You are listening to the Bay 53 Podcast. Right, mate. Well, come on. Let's let's get straight into it then. I, I want to jump back into the game on Friday night, and we'll um, we'll, we'll continue on that theme as well, because um, my other half uh, sort of pointed out to me, and she said uh, two two out of three things that she did say about the team on Friday night was, well, that's obviously a team that's playing exhausted from the week before, and to be honest with you, probably a little bit distracted from the goings on in general about what was going to happen with their teammate suspension. And you and I expressed this concern last week after the incident in terms of that hit put pressure on the team, not only just during that game, but how we now have to respond thereafter. And the effects were there to be seen straight up on Friday night. They were they were they were cooked after the first set. Yeah. Um you're right, like absolutely flat as a biscuit. And and that's that you're right. And your, your partner's right with that. You know, um, it's both physical and mental. But to be that flat, it can't be just you're physically flat or you're mentally flat. They were flat. Like, they, it was both parts. And, and I agree that physically drained from the week before, playing with 12 men for 50 minutes, and, yeah, mentally drained from the week they've had. And I, you know, I watched a few of the night's progresses, and every second question was about Barney. Um, you know, the players were clearly over it. The coaching staff are clearly over it. 
that's got to be a distraction. Then on a short turnaround, yeah, it didn't um, it did didn't eventuate into a good performance on Friday. I um, I was I was I was nervous as soon as we lost that. The, we didn't get the kickoff. We didn't get position possession from the kickoff. I I, I sort of thought it's going to be one of those nights from there on. And can I say from the get-go as well, in case I do forget to say it, Cronulla played incredible football. They played disciplined, strong, aggressive, uh, controlled football against us, um, and they left points out on the field. That that easily could have been a 30 or 40-point drubbing uh, to us if we hadn't been careful. I, I thought the Sharks played really well. Yeah, credit to the coach there. The, the game plan was perfect for a team he knew would be flat. The Knights, the Knights are always going to have sort of some um, some physical flatness, but they're always going to be a little bit sore. They're always going to be a little bit um, mentally fatigued. And the Sharks exploited that by making the game purely physical. And the conditions suited that, and the Knights just weren't ready to put their bodies on the line for it. Um, is Talakai to centre the greatest positional move in the history of rugby league? He um, he put himself in the Immortals conversation on Friday night. He played that well. It was absolutely outstanding, but I've no doubt on a you know a nice sunny day at McDonald Jones Stadium, Gagai would tear him to pieces because he's yeah he's as yeah. big as a small a small bus, but he's also as slow as a small bus. Yeah, like he's got no lateral movement at all. But we didn't take any advantage of it because we didn't um, yeah we didn't play fast enough. We didn't get enough ball to really do much with it. There was one point early in the, well, not early, but certainly in the first half where Gay sort of smoked him or skinned him a little bit and got around him. And I thought, well, that's what we're going to see more of later in the game when Talakai tires. But he, he did so little in defence and he was just barging through and hammering our defence so much with the ball. It never really got to that point. Yeah, that's right. We didn't make him do any work. So he had all his energy front-loaded for attack. Like it just... It was never going to go any other way. Like Cronulla, Cronulla. Besides, like the you know your Penrith and your Melbournes, Cronulla like the worst, probably the worst possible team to play in that situation because their whole game's built around how big their middles are and how physical they play. Like they're a very physical team, Cronulla. You know they they could lack a little polish sometimes, and they can, you know, they can be a bit um, a bit mentally fragile. But if you let them get on top physically, they'll grind you to the dirt. And that's exactly what they did. Um, we'll get away from uh, at least, you know, we, we've pointed out we were listless. We were, we were flat to begin with. Uh, our forwards still, though, they, they were just disappointing. They were just straight up disappointing. Uh, Dan Sofidi was the only one who cracked a 100 metres run uh, for the day. Um, and I still think even Dan was, was one of our poorer um, forwards on the night. We, we really didn't have any get up and go. Uh, in the middle uh, against the Sharks. No, that's that's the worst I've seen our middle plane in a long, long, long yeah. time. Yeah, um, very much so. We just got absolutely dominated in all facets. In all facets there, and you're right, Dan. Dan, you know, played okay in terms of getting meters, but he made some really, really fundamental fundamental errors. Um, yeah, no, we. That's that's what it kind of upset me. Like it just reminded me of the nights of old, where that as soon as things started to go against them, they were a little bit tired. They turned to water, and that's what worried me. But on watching the replay, I I just really feel like they were just they were so mentally shot from the week in the previous week's game that 
I'm hoping we can just write it off. Well, that, that's the thing, though. But can you write something like that off? Because I'm of the opinion that you need to start comparing your team consistently now if we want to be up there to the Roosters or the Melbourne. A Roosters or um, the Storm putting in a performance like that a week after playing with 12 men for 50 minutes against the Panthers. Like, we, we need. I still think we need to be better. I agree, and I know I was I was holding down that that line down that line. But our good friend at Harvey G pointed out that's what we did at the Roosters in round one, and they had no excuses. That was the first game of the season, mm. and we mentally were all uh, we were physically all over them, and they mentally weren't quite there. And because you know they weren't physically tired in terms of like you know beaten bodies, means that they sort of didn't get bashed around as much as we did on Friday, and, you know, and that, and that's the Roosters. So, but. The Roosters then bounce back. We have to bounce back. Um, you carry you carry that into Thursday against a really soft manly pack, then there's real issues. Mate, that first half, it, it's easy to forget. I mean, it finished 18-0. Like I said, I, I thought they left a couple of tries out there. I mean, the Talakai no try in the first half. Um, again, we've been really quite lucky with the VAR this year. The obstruction was there. Um, VAR, I don't mate, it, wrong game, wrong game. Sorry, the bunker. The bunker, uh, we've been very lucky with the bunker this year. Um, uh, I don't think it should have been an obstruction, but it was an obstruction. Um, and it's then one of those ones, half, it's probably technically, it's, it's technically no try, but Jesus Christ, it's a try. Yeah. Um, we went into the break 8-0 down. We should have only gone, sorry, we could have only gone down, it been 4-0 going down uh, in there, you know, um, Catullus just scored this um, the, the, the amazing finish to to finish the second half to finish the first half. Sorry, did we see enough defensive resolve though to sort of say that this definitely isn't the Knights of old? Like there there is that there, there is still a, a a sort of tough edge to them defensively that st- should still put us in good stead this season. That was what I got out of watching watching again, mate, without with the emotion taken out of. The scramble was still there. There were still numbers there regularly. Even the Katoa one, yeah, that amazing finish. But there were plenty of nights around him. And, yeah, I, I'm i not a fan of wings. I just try and push guys flying through the air over. They should be, you know, smashing it with everything. But <laughs> there were still plenty of nights there, and we scrambled. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm of the opinion that the Knights, well, certainly the Brown era Knights would have got beat by 50. I yes. think the the 2020 2021 nights we got beat by 30 odd, mm. and our scramble sort of kept us, you know, with respectability this week. Bruno, we genuinely didn't look like scoring at all in this game. Our attack was flat. We yes, we did have limited opportunity, and yes, our forwards gave us very little go forward to give us much of an opportunity. But still, is it a concern that we really just did not look like we had any points in us on Friday? Yeah, Cronulla's weakness is their defence. And we did not did not look like opening them up at all. Um, it was inept, to say the least. I've never seen us. And, and honestly, the coach has got to take a lot of that responsibility because they prepared a week for a wet night, which I don't think it was ever locked in that it was going to rain. It was just that it was going to be windy. Um, the game plan was, even if it was wet, was still super conservative. And then when it, it clearly wasn't going to rain for the game, they didn't have any adjustments. Um, I don't, 
I don't know how they got it so wrong in terms of match preparation. And maybe that's the Barney stuff distracted the whole club and they were worried about other things instead of completely on the game plan and preparation, which is also a concern. But that attack was absolutely dire. Um, why, why is it so hard to change, though? I mean, this is a professional sort of sporting um, organisation. They're, pay, they're paid a fair amount of money to 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 um, you know, play rugby league. Surely it's not that hard to get there, realise it's not raining and go, oh, OK, well, maybe we can play our game plan, which we've been training for all off-season, as opposed to That's exactly this right. game. Yeah. That's exactly right. The system should be in place where you just go, okay, so we'll still play a little conservative because it's still windy and hard to throw the ball around completely, but we've still got the systems in place to structure our attack. KP's back. You know, we just, we don't be quite as conservative. We open up and we, you know, we, we don't, we don't do the odd, because that round one side to side stuff, that wasn't going to work in that wind. No. But still doesn't mean you can't run your set plays, you know, run your decoys, all that sort of stuff. Like, I don't know how you go from that team we see in round one where they let the ball sing to that. Like, I just, I don't know. Um, no, I'm, I'm exactly there with you. It was, um, it was, it was really just, I think disheartening is the word that I keep coming to every time I'm sort of describing the game itself, you know, specific areas, the overall outcome. Um, and, and again, where it leaves us on the table, I sort of feel like we've, we've, let you know that those opening two rounds go uh, we've wasted that opportunity again and we've done it for the third year in a row whereas we're going into a round five match now with pressure on us to win whereas if we just pick up one of these last two games and we very much look have shown like we have the talent to pick it up on pick up friday's game you know we're going into round five with a bit of confidence as opposed to pressure and yeah i just disheart like uh, after everything we'd seen from Clifford Clune and we, we'll get to KP um, shortly, you just felt like surely they had more to offer than what they than what they threw at the Sharks on Friday night. Yeah, that's right, and that's you know like that's the concerning thing about it is that the Sharks wanted to play physically and we didn't want to have a bar of it. You know they they played like it was a really important game to them, which it was. Because both these teams know that they're going to be around the same sort of spot in terms of the final standings, and we just didn't want a bar of it. Like I get that, you know, if they just, you know, played as well as they did, and we sort of physically couldn't match them after the previous week, I'd cop that. But um, yeah, I've never, I've never, um, I've never been so confident in the prediction after yeah after thirty seconds that this team is not going to even put up a Yelp here today, and they didn't. You likened it a lot to the 2020 game against the Warriors, and, and for you and I, that 2020 game against the Warriors um, away, I think it was that was out of Mudgy, wasn't it? Um, uh, no, Tamworth. Yeah, Tamworth, sorry, that's the one. You and I have always used that as a bit of a marker in the ground in terms of where this club was at before and where it wants to go moving after, because that was the opportunity for a statement game to say we're not we're not the Knights of old anymore. And so you sort of um, you sort of felt like the Sharks game reflected that game because there were just so many similarities to it that just left you feeling a bit 
there is the potential that we are still the Knights of old. And that's and that's such a shame, given everything that we've seen from the first three rounds. Yeah, you, you, the reason why I said that is because it was the same in that game. Like, obviously that was a, you know, that Warriors team weren't great and they put a big score on us. So it's not the same. Cause, and that's why I think that this team's got more guts to it because it's scrambled and, you know, and, and save face. But the effort was exactly the same. We just got built off the park from minute one. Um, yeah, it's a, I'd, I'd never thought that after the Roosters and Penrith games, we'd be back here so quickly and, we, and we're mm. back here in round four. Um, mm. Yeah. As I said, if, if, if it turns out to be a one-off, fine. All teams do. Like Mel, there's been times that Melbourne have had 40 put on them, you know, like all teams have off days. If that's, if that's just all it was, we everything going against us, fine. But if we chop and it happens again in the next couple of weeks, yeah, um, I don't know where you go from there then. As you know, Bretto, I've been very big on the um, stats about our back five uh, for the last for the first three rounds in terms of um, metres run from, from numbers one to five. Now, KPs have actually been bumped up since I last looked at these. Originally, Dane was the only one in the back five who gave us 100-plus metres, but the NRL, the NRL app tells me that Kalen actually did crack 100 metres run. He got to a, 104 uh, for the game. But this is what I find interesting. Dom Young, Dane Gagai, they've run for something like, oh, I'm doing some quick maths here, I think about two, 220 metres combined uh, between them. Bradman and Inari, they didn't even they cracked they just cracked 120 between them. So all our ball was going Dom and um, Dane's way. Not much, uh, not much love there for Inari and Bradman. Yeah, they clearly had a game plan to target young Dom. Um, and I think they're also worried about Bradman um, second tackle at a dummy half. You know, he's quite dangerous there. So I think they yeah. avoided that. But um, I also think it's a bit of a case of I don't think Anari and Brabham went looking for the ball to help their forwards enough either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, that was a comment, Mum, and we'll get to that later on with the questions Harvey G pointed out. Um, it may be starting to reach the point where if Bradman wants more ball, he needs to start going to look for it. Yeah, he does. He does. I'm I'm in two minds about Bradman now. Like, he's... I always just thought, you know, we just need to run a games. Well, he's starting to get that run of games. We need to start seeing what we thought we were going to get. Um, he does those flashes of brilliance, and we all, you know, we all marvel when we see them. He runs over people, and we all go, oh, man, the guy's a beast. But, and I maintain it, and it's not just his fault, but we've still never seen Brabham Best in open space in first grade. Like, that's amazing. Like, whatever game he's played, he's played enough games now where centre in first grade, he's never actually been in open space. Is that a concern? Like, does he not... Is that purely the attack doesn't give him opportunity, or does he actually not run a hole? Does he not read the game well? It's a real so, concern. I don't... I just... I'm just not seeing it. Like, I'm not seeing the guy that we thought he was going to be yet. Okay, so take me through that then. When you say we haven't... It concerns you that we haven't seen him in open space yet. How do I? I'm, I'm trying to. How, what 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 should Bradman be doing to put himself into a position to 
be in open space or find that open space? Is there something wrong positionally in what he's doing or the decisions that he's making? What, what, what's the concern for you that is there something the team should be doing better to facilitate that? What, what's what? Where's your concern coming from with that? Well, a good centering and Gags will do this. You watch him. He'll he'll draw. He'll actually draw himself into space by he'll draw the pass out to him. So he'll have so he'll have the defender on his outside shoulder. But as he makes his run towards, you know. As the as the attack flows forward, he'll then veer and actually create the pass where he gets to the outside shot of the defender and makes the guy throwing the ball on the outside. So he's then automatically on his on his uh, man's outside and into that open bit of space. And he does do that, but he does it close to the line, which is great, and it creates and it's created quite a few tries. But he doesn't actually ever do that when we need him to. Like he doesn't actually ever do that in his, in our own half. Like Melbourne carve teams up because they do that in, in their own half. They'll do that 30 metres out. You know, a centre will get on the outside of his man, Munster or Hughes will find them with the right pass and they'll hit the hole. Yeah. And it comes from, and it's a bit of the halves too, but our halves are good enough that if you create space, Clifford and Clune will see that space and will give you the ball. For yeah. me, Bradman doesn't read it. He doesn't understand how to put himself into space other than on the line where. Um, you know, his natural instinct takes over. I don't know whether it's a game plan. Maybe it's a game plan. Maybe the coach doesn't want him to do that. But to me, that hurts us. We don't make enough big attacking runs because we and we don't attack from our half enough. And it wears our middle forwards down. It wears our edge forwards down because they're playing. They're running crash balls. We're always rucking it hard out of our own half. It puts pressure on our kicking game because the kicks are always long and they have to be perfect. I um. Like you know, like we all know Bradman's fast. We know Bradman's a sprint champion. But if you don't know Bradman, there's no way anyone would look at like that watches rugby league would go, "Oh, Bradman, best flying machine," because they've never seen him run fast. He's never had it. He's never actually been in open space to run fast. You think he's to see a super talakai? Just runs over people. <laughs> Mate, can I put it to you then that because there's something you actually said in terms of the, his instinct takes over. Does Bradman not yet realise then that he actually can be that player in open space? Because you and I have always sort of admired Bradman as being the player that likes to take the ball, draw in his opponents into him to create space for other players so that he can break free, create those space for others and release other players. So is that actually, it's a failing, but is that, Bradman sort of being too one-dimensional in the way he wants to play his game because he doesn't realise that he has the potential there to find space himself as opposed to creating space for his wingers or his inside man. Yeah, to me, that's what he's always looking for. He's always looking to draw the winger in. And that and that's and that's like perfect. Like that's exactly what you want your centre to do. But I'll give you a tip, Bradman. If you actually hit that hole plenty of times, that means every time you get the ball, that winger will come in because they'll panic. Yeah. That Mac Mac Italy was very very slow for a centre, so he didn't he didn't have the ability to hit that hole at a million miles an hour and and carve through. So his game was to you know to do it with his hips and his and his hands and draw and draw that winger's attention. But Bradman doesn't have to do that. Bradman can, Bradman can you know can just use speed on the outside where the winger has no choice but to come in. And we all know that he's got the ability to, to pop that pass if he doesn't get through. But I, I tell, I'm telling you now. If he just keeps hitting that hole, he won't need to keep throwing that pass because with his speed and his size, he'll just he'll just carve straight through, and then he's got an easy, simple ball to to the inside probably to an unmarked backer up on the middle in the middle score under the post. There's a reason why every time Bradman's involved in a try, we score in the corner. 
Right. One of the um, one of the things that did sort of pop out, or two of the things that actually did pop out to me from Friday night was that normally in a game like that where our form forwards are absolutely dominated, um, we've got no go forward. We sort of um, brush over the fact that you know our, our halves. We sort of tend to go well. There wasn't really much that our halves could do. Um, they didn't do much accordingly. I still thought Clune and Clifford um, came up all right on Friday night. I thought with the limited opportunities that they did have, they sort of create. I mean, Clune created a couple of half breaks there. Um, I didn't think. I thought Cliffo kicked. I thought he kicked relatively well given the conditions, and I didn't mind the mistakes that he did make. Because on both account, you know, on the occasions where he did get it wrong, you could see that he was going for something. I think the one where he kicked it dead from our thirty, you now he was obviously going for an early forty twenty that the wind just blew far, too far long. So I thought our halves went. Oh, and the other thing as well was, um, Clune still managed to get a repeat set off a of grubber in those conditions, which I don't think Mitch. There's no way Mitchell Pearce was doing that on Friday night. So I didn't think our halves were as bad as they might have been over the past few years for us in that type of game. No, they were as good as could be expected. You, you, as you said, we got you know we got so badly bent in the middle, they had no chance. But, yeah, Clooney, you're right. A couple of times there I found myself, you know, up out of my chair thinking Clooney cut, cut through. Um, no, they and, – and Jake, the only one I would, I would hit Jake up was the one where he kicked it out in the full trying to get a torpedo bomb. I don't think that was – into the wind, the torpedo bomb was the kick. Just kick it low and hard. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, the one where he went for the forty twenty and went dead. Yeah, that's you know that that's just the conditions. If it if it sort of slightly veered to the right rather than just straight into the left, it, it would have gone out five meters from the um, from the ingong. Would have thought he was a genius. But um, no, our our halves played okay. They're certainly yeah they're 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 down the list of guys to blame for Friday. I just love the game. But more than that, I love the community. If you're a fan of Rugby League or the NRL, you'll love Big T's Tees. Unique, affordable and made for fans. Find a link to the online store in the show notes below. You'd look good in one of Big T's Tees. The other one as well I wanted to quickly mention um, was Dom Young. I think Dom Young is playing the type of footy with the type of character that the longer this season goes on, it gets harder to drop him. I, I thought he, I thought he had um, Mulatalo's number on Friday night, and I thought he was really getting to Mulatalo, who's the more established winger of the two. Um, the sin binning was there, but it was a you know that was that was just unfortunate. I don't think there was any malice or aggression in it. Uh, Dom Young is you know starting to very much establish, establish himself as one of those um, must-pick uh, players in our lineup. Yeah, you're right. I, I, I always just assumed that, you know, once um, Eddie's up and fit and Heimel's back, Dom would be out. But, I, you know, I don't see how you can drop him. Like, I, I think they will because I think, and we've said it before, it's not a bad thing to drop a kid when they're in good form. Mm. You know, it, 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 it actually boosts their confidence, if you know what I mean. Like, they... They, they're in good form. They know they're only dropped because, you know, only more experienced players taking their spot. And they go back and just carve up because they're still bursting with confidence. I think to drop a kid after he's had a shocker does way more harm. Agreed. So if they, if, if they are, if they are like, if, if Adzi does actually think that Heimel and Edric are the two first-choice wingers come, you know, end of the season, I think that – I hope that Dom, when he does start to, um, to lose his spot, 
he's still in great form because I think that it'll make him as a player. Oh, I completely agree with that. Unfortunately, another young player, though, who's not quite hitting those heights, and I, he had a bit of an opportunity on Friday night, which he really didn't take. Uh, Jaira Mamasia. Uh, where's he at with this team at the moment? He had he had a handful of minutes against the Panthers, but um, he had more than ample opportunity to do something on um, Friday night. And unfortunately, what he did do was... Uh, um, cost us two tries in the first half that really, really killed the game for us in a lot of ways. Yeah, um, I was disappointed, man. As we've yeah. said on this pod plenty of times, I'm huge on him. Like, I'm huge on him. But he's been, like, yeah, he's been really reluctant. And now I understand why we've, we talked, like, why is he getting no minutes? I don't think the coach trusts him. And, I, and after seeing Friday, I can see why. He gave away a dumb offside penalty on the fifth tackle. He was clearly not a marker and there was no need to make the tackle. He just did it good through laziness. And then he gave a, a sloppy high tackle on the fourth tackle when they're about 30 minutes out from their own line, just because he was too lazy to actually bend his back and make the tackle properly. Um, no, I'm, I don't know. I mean, with the, with the way the injuries are looking, you may need to start this week. Um, yeah, I don't know where Jaira is. I'm, I, I'm still a believer. Like I'm still, I'm still on, on Jaira's Island, but, um. Yeah, he 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 needs to show something, and and lack of football. Lack of football's got to have something to do. He's barely played for two and a half years now because of COVID and injuries. Um. So I'm not writing him off, but I I, I if, but if we were fit, I think he'd be playing 80 minutes a week in reserve grade at the moment. Yeah. No, I, I definitely agree with that. He's um he showed a lot of uh, for promise and and you know it, it, it may be easy to go well that's a bit unfair on him. He's you know, you compare that to someone like Leo Thompson. Leo Thompson has gone into first grade. He has not missed a beat and he took some punishment on Friday night. He will be he will be um, posterized for one of the potential tackles of the year for the rest of the season from those Sharks boys, and he got straight back up and he went straight back at them again. And um, I think I think what Leo's showing has sort of made it harder for Jaira now because that's that's the expectation. There's none of this easing you into first grade. If you're in first grade, you need to perform at that level from from the minute you step on the field. Yeah, you're picking out best 17 today. Leo's a lot t- closer to that 17 than Jaira is. Yes. I know one's a so. middle and one's a sort of middle edge. But, yeah, Leo's way closer to making that 17 than Jaira is. Um, I think Leo, Leo on Friday, I'm not going to say he runs soft, but he didn't seem to run as hard, and he got punished for it. And I think that'll make him. A couple of yeah. times there where he just sort of dawdled up onto the ball, and the Cronulla guys went, this is not reserve grade, mate. You're not getting away with that. Absolutely <laughs> pulverizing. And I think I think that'll make him. I really I really do. Like, he was, he's, you know, and he, he's barely played rugby league. He's, he's near to the game. He played rugby out in the centres where he probably had, you know, five runs a game. Um, so he's trading to first grade, his fourth game in four weeks. He's, he's probably starting to feel a little bit in his legs and it showed there a little bit. And if we were, you know, if we had less injuries, he probably would get a, a run in Reggie's or a freshen up. But um, no, I I think that that game will really help uh, Leo because he, he knows that if you don't go 100 mile an hour in first grade, you're going to get hurt. Hey, before we get on to the worst part of the or the worst um, part of the game for me, I actually do want to quickly talk about something from the Sharks. Uh, Nico Hines is getting a lot of plaudits for um, for the way uh, the Sharks sort of attacked on Friday night and the way they're going. Tough scenes for Matt Moylan. I, I thought Matt Moylan 
I think he's getting very much overlooked in terms of what he's offering that side at the moment. Um, I was I was a lot more worried when Matt Moylan had the ball in his hands on Friday night than when uh, when Nico was holding onto the pill. The irony is that Nico is getting the Matt Moylan treatment because they used to have yeah. Matt Moylan like he'd, he'd be he'd be ordinary and be getting all the plaudits. It's actually the irony of the whole thing that yeah. Matt Moylan was the one that used to get all the plaudits when it was when he was his house partner or other players in the team, but no, Nick Matt Moylan's been the best player so far this year, and it's cleared space. Like I don't, I don't get like Nico. I'm not saying Nico has been poor. He's been he's been no. really good, yep. but Matt Moylan's been the best player so far this year. Brad, let's get on to the big um, the big talking point probably for Knights fans. <laughs> Been the big talking point for Knights fans for the last five years. Who are we kidding? I don't, I don't want him. Mate. I don't want him. I don't want him. KP KP put in that was his worst performance in a Knights jersey that I've seen uh, from him since he joined the club. I, I and I said on the social media, I it wasn't until that Friday night that I didn't realise he was actually he had it in him to play that badly. Awful game, just an all round awful game from our. Marquee man, our captain, our best player. Um, yeah, that was that wasn't disheartening. That was really disappointing stuff from him on Friday. His performance was very reminiscent of Bredo in nineteen ninety seven on the Fanny's dance floor after twenty five bourbons. <laughs> he was he was a very very ordinary mate, very ordinary. He was the worst player on the field by a long long way. Um, so. The two things that really stood out to me in terms of his performance was, firstly, he, he did not run that ball back hard at all. And I, I guess that was one of the reasons that I was sort of reflecting on Dylan Edwards on Friday night. Like, that guy runs that ball back hard every time. And he, he's always guaranteed to get you metres on that kick return, no matter what. So KP has decided, for whatever reason, he doesn't do that anymore. The second thing as well was that we were always Which I think is coaching. I think that's coaching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And no, and himself, I think that's... And, and that's fine. The second thing, though, was that we've always, not overlooked, but we've also we've always been willing to accept the, I guess, defici- uh, defensive, hmm, I don't want to say failings, but certainly the, the, the less than effective defensive aspect of his game. We've always been willing to accept that on the basis that he gives us more in attack to more than compensate for that. And I actually thought KP got in the way of our attack a lot on Friday night. He looked directionless. He didn't. He looked like he didn't know what he was doing at times, and he looked like when he did try to force, the, he was just forcing things that weren't there. He looked like a man who had never played rugby league a day in his life before Friday night, and um, it was it was really concerning stuff from him. Yeah, um, like you know what it looked like. This is this is gonna sound like a slot on on man, but you look like Kurt Man at five eight. Yes, he just got in the way and then run around in circles and and got tackled. Um, I don't, I have no idea, I have no idea what was going on there. Like literally none. I've never seen a guy with a talent of KP look so out of their depth ever. It is it's his knee his knee's clearly hindering. There's no doubt about that. Which to me, well then, he, he, why did he play? Yep. Um, and, and I hope that it's not the fact that all the fans are on the club's back by saying, you know, he's got to be on the field and the club are listening to that. I don't think it will be because the no. medical staff are too experienced, still too smart for that. Agreed. 
but I don't know why he played because his knee was clearly hindering him. Um, but he just he was rudderless. He we got in the way. He, he as you said, he simply got in the way and stopped their attack. I do not know what was doing. My mind went back to the um, die job with Andrew Johns um, at Manly, where he was just all sorts. He was out of form. That, that that Joey says to this day, it's the worst game he's ever played for the club. And the reason I mention that is that that performance from Joey was off the back of everything that was going off, going on off the field, and it finally got to him. KP can say until he's blue in the face that it's not bothering him, that he's focused on the team. But is his contract finally starting to take its toll on where he's at mentally? Absolutely. And he could, and, he, and as we all know now, we had that meeting set up with Wayne for the next day. Um, the club should be filthy. Like when I read when I read that about the Wayne the Wayne meeting, it's the closest I've ever gone to throwing my thousand dollar phone on the fucking road. Like I was yeah. so wild that a guy that we're paying a million dollars to put in that performance because he's meeting with the rival coach the next day. Correct. I. Me and you, we've defended KP that were blue in the face. Like, we've lost friendships over KP. Yep. Like people that we used to get along with fine. Are on the, we've had dragging out Barney's with, especially online, defending KP. I can't defend yep. him after that. I nah. it was he, it, it's clearly got to him. And I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to go, you're right, because Joey did it. Joey did it too. And we know that Joey never did anything but put the Knights first. And it affected him, and yeah, he had the manly red hair game, but then he got it back on track. The KP hasn't got the credit the bank Joey did. Correct. KP hasn't, you know, he hasn't proved himself to be the best player in the world before that, like Joey had. You know, and, and ironically, get... Joey came out, you know, having to go at Wayne today on on um, the Sunday Footy Show, and I, I think Joey was wrong. I think Wayne's doing exactly what Wayne should be doing. He's trying to get one of the best players in the competition to his club. And I'd be filthy if the Knights weren't trying to do that to other club's players. I thought, um, I thought I thought Andrew Johns was doing that very much as an employee of the Newcastle Knights. I think what he wanted to say was... Oh, absolutely. He was, absolutely. Yeah, he was filthy with Kalen, but I think he sort of sold it in a way that he was like, oh, this is this is a bad... This is Wayne's fault. This is, this is a bad thing that he's done. Andrew knows... He knows better than anyone else. This is Kalen's mistake. Because Wayne knew exactly what he was doing. He knew that he, Wayne knew that this was going to get out. He knew the impression that this was going to create. He knew the problems this was going to cause for Newcastle, and it's exactly what he wanted. And that's what annoys me about him. Wayne's, the thing is Wayne's been at the Knights. Wayne Wayne knows how quickly the Knights fans will jump on Caitlin's back about it. Yes. Wayne knows so, that if you want to turn the public, the, the you know you want to turn the uh, the public opinion against KP, what you do is you set up that meeting. K, KP plays badly. That meeting happens. It all comes out. That he knows the Newcastle fans and Newcastle in general will turn on KP, and that might just drive him out of town to, into the Dolphins' arms. And that's the thing is that Kalen's fallen for hook, line, and sinker again. It, it, it's a it's a strawberry comp, a milkshake comment all over. He's just shown that lack of maturity and naivety in terms of how you handle yourself if you want to control the narrative around the public opinion. Because as we've seen in rugby league. Public opinion is everything. You, you can you can pretend like it doesn't matter, but it, perception is reality. And when it comes to the Knights at the moment, Kalen is perceived as someone who isn't committed to the Newcastle Knights. And it may, it therefore then makes the Newcastle Knights 
look like idiots in the whole thing. Yeah, they can, and that's why the club should be filthy. It's made the club look like idiots. You know, it's it's put a real stain on the club after a really good start to the season. Um, I I just hope that you're right about Joey, and he, and he was acting as the Knights employee, and he's now at the first as soon as he heard about it, he was straight on the phone to Kalen for a meeting between him and Kalen. Because yeah. one of the big selling points about Joey coming to the Knights was that he can help Kalen learn about being king of Newcastle. So I'm hoping that Joey got straight to the phone and said, man, I'm coming up. We're going to have coffee. We're going to have a strawberry milkshake, whatever. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you, the, I'm going to lay down the law and say, this is not what you do in this town or this town will run you out quicker than you can bloody sign your Dolphins contract. <laughs> and no one wants that. We all want Caelan to be a knight for life, but Newcastle are unforgiving, man. They are unforgiving. Yeah. And I think this is so and, obvious. You know, and, 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 as, and as I said, like, you know, he doesn't have the credit in the bank Joey had. No. Joey Joey got away with it because Joey was Joey. Yep. We all knew that Joey, the premierships were coming with Joey because Joey was the best player in the world. We don't know about why. Well, we think Callum might bring us some premierships, but we haven't seen it yet. Mm. I was um, I was deep in the DMs with um, with Harry uh, Ramage, who did point out to me, he's like, everyone seems to be jumping on Caleb. He's just, he's just doing what any player would do when he's just doing something that's completely normal and unfortunately allowed under the rules at the moment. And he's absolutely right. There's nothing wrong from a technical perspective in terms of what Kalen's done. But again, this is all about the perception around it and what it does to our club and what it does to, you know, essentially what it does to the club come game day next Thursday against Manly. And it's just, you know, we're dealing with the fallout of being on a two-game losing streak. We're dealing with the fallout of what's happened with Mitchell Barnett. And what and the club cap, and our captain now has gone out of his way to add a third issue for the club to deal with, which is this ongoing speculation around his future with the club. It's it's just such a it's it's really not a smart move any way you look at it. That's right. Like my my filthiness with Kalen is about the fact that this doesn't this did not need to happen. Kalen's had the entire off season talk to anyone you want to talk to. The season's now started, mate. Pull your head in and start playing some football. Yes. It's round four. You've always said you've, you know, you've pretty much made your decision, but you haven't quite made your decision. You've got till June or whatever you've got to make your decision. So before then, you've got, you know, you're going to have a chance. It's not like you had to do it the day after a loss or a day after a game in Sydney, you know, like Wayne can't fly to Newcastle. Like he's going to be, he's going to be an origin camp before, before he has to make a decision. Do it then. Like do it whenever you want to do it. But don't do it. And rub the Knights and the Knights fans' noses in. That's what it felt like. You felt like you rubbing our noses in it. And that's what that's Wayne correct. was doing. You're right. Wayne set the trap and Kalen stepped straight into it. Yeah. No, that's that's exactly like, how it like, felt. Like you know, like you you know me. Like the, nobody nobody is a bigger Kalen fan than me, except maybe our good friend Sky. Um <laughs> I, I as I said, like the closest I've ever come to tweaking my bloody iPhone across the road, like it was it's such a dumb thing, and it makes the club look so amateur, and it just makes us all look like fools for believing him. Yeah. Look, there's obviously a lot to play out with this, um, unfortunately, for several more months. Um, you know, how the club decides to handle it over the next few days will be interesting. Um, it's actually, it's actually going to be interesting to see whether we will we'll never know about it. 
because it'll happen behind closed doors. But it's going to be interesting to see whether Adzi goes the full Melbourne approach because you know if that was Bellamy, that player would be getting destroyed behind closed doors. Yep. It wouldn't matter if it was Cameron Smith. They would be getting destroyed behind closed doors. It'd be interesting whether Adzi goes that approach. Um, or I the think Knights whatever. I think whatever Adam O'Brien does, it'll be with it'll be with the full backing of the club, and I reckon he will be thinking he'd be happy to sort of um, put a pin in it one way or the other, and potentially do something to really just draw a line under it. I think if he did give him the the sort of um, pain, do you think there's any chance the night set a deadline? Do you think there's any chance the night set a deadline and say, mate, look, you've got till then? Obviously, because it's a, it's a Caleb option, so the Knights can't pull the offer. The offer stays mm. there. Yep. But do you reckon the Knights ever get to the point where they go, mate, make a decision by such and such, or we're just not going to have a bar of you. We're not going to defend you publicly, you know? Do what you want to do. No, you know, I, you know, and, if you, and, if you, and if you come out and make us look bad, you have fun playing bloody at Cessnock Sports Ground in the initial last cup team. <laughs> we're Brett over there with all these Bernos loving you. <laughs> mate, it's... Um, it, Don't it's... leave me. You can't leave me. Don't leave me. Don't. Mate, mate, the 18 to nil loss has left us on, um, funnily enough, a very classic Knights position. I think we're sitting eight, seventh or eighth. Um, two wins, two losses, zero points differential. Um, Manly coming off the back of the win. Um, where, where are we? Where are we sort of sitting in terms of uh, the game on Thursday night? How are we looking? We're not going to know, obviously, till teams get announced, you know, what injuries are dealing with. Because it's clearly, as I said, it, it sounds like Frizz is definitely out. So the the stocks are getting thin. Um, I'm still pretty confident. Like, I'm, you know, if this team's changed like we think they have, I'm, you know, I'm still pretty confident we can come out and put, in, put a performance in. Because, you know, as um, as we mentioned now, Manly's, Manly's pack are soft as butter. So if you don't have, you know, your issues in the forwards with the injuries and stuff, they're not a bad side to come against. And, um you know, I think I think we can still get the job done on Thursday, but um, yeah, I I, I think it, this is going to tell us a lot about where this team's at. Um, I'm not saying it has to be a win. I'm saying if we you know if we went toe for toe with them and got you know got beat by a DC field goal, you know, but played really you know pretty solid football and just didn't quite go our way because of a few a few injuries and you know and we were sort of a few weaknesses were showing up. I'd be okay with that. But if we come out and don't put in again and at home, um, our first ever Thursday night game at home. Um, yeah, I think there's real, real alarm bells ringing. Newcastle are the premiers. Mate, let's, um, let's sort of, uh, jump into some of the questions that, um, that we've gotten from, um, from the socials. First question here is from our good friend, Mr. Jones at Maitland Mumbler on Twitter. Bellamy and Munster are unsigned at the storm while all the talk is about Kalen Ponga. Can you imagine a time when the other clubs are not in our shadow? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's spot on. He's, he's absolutely spot on. Um, yeah, like, it's amazing how Melbourne just fly under the radar then. Like, I know Munster's not, not actually off contract for 24, but it didn't stop him bloody speculating about Kalen. He was had three years on his contract. They were still talking about him, <laughs> him leaving. Um, yeah, no, he's spot on. Like, I know, I know he's got his tongue firm in his cheek there, but it doesn't matter what. The, I think KP could, you know, um, do his option, do his option for next year, and sign a four-year extension. There, and they'd still write a story the next day about that he was uh, he's he's talking to Toulouse or some shit. 
<laughs> no, I completely agree. Mate, we've got um, Vittori at acoulter 84 here again on Twitter. With it looking likely Barney will go to the Warriors at the season end, what's your thoughts on a replacement from within or go to market? So this came out during the week after the suspension finding against Barnett. It turns out the Warriors have been into Mitch for a while now and uh, we stood in his way uh, during the off-season, but now, despite all protestations publicly by Uncle Phil that we, we want him around, Mitchell Barnett looks like he's on his way to the Warriors next year. What do you make of that? What do you make of that, mate? Um, I think I actually think it's logical because Brandy always loved Barney. There was there's no doubt about that. But you know, Brandy got him to the club in that deal swap with for Joe uh, Tarpanay. Um, no, I, I, I'm not surprised that Brownie's got an interest in him. He, he, he loves a um, he loves a loose cannon, um, <laughs> especially especially a, you know a very Aryan white one. Um, but no, I, I think we have to get a market. I, you know, we have got some promising edge, um, edge players that are, that aren't ready yet. We we you know we, we will we will have the right stocks in time, but we don't for the next year or two. We and, it, and we still don't have you know the big hulking 120 kilo tackle buster on the edge. We have to go to market. We have to find, we have to find some. We've got plenty of money to spend, and you know, and then we've we've already got quite a good um, cap situation. They take Barney's money out because there's no way they're not to play any of his deal. The Warriors want him early. The Warriors will be paying full freight, full freight for him. Um, and I know I think it actually hurts. Uh, it helps the Knights too because I think Barney's on overs. I think the Knights needed him at the time, and they they got him on a contract that he's not quite performing up to. Um, but no, I think we definitely have to go to market. Barry too, he came out over the weekend. Which we wanted said, to be Nanai, but apparently that's unlikely. Yeah, he said it doesn't look like Nanai's going anywhere. So, I don't and, know. You know I, and, then, and then those specific, you know, they, they, they live in the home. You know, they, um, they're the ones from up that way. You know, they, the tropical climate's where they want to be and family close by. And, um, you know, poorly, poorly. Couldn't have, you know, from Sydney to Newcastle. Um, because of you know coming too far from his family, um, yeah. No, I, I think that it's, it's no surprise that he want to stay close to home. Manchester here, United at Peter Dennings says this is what we need more of: line speed, Ponga running more, and Bradman. Mate, that's that's really three of the three of the big things we discussed from the Sharks game. I'm I'm in complete agreement with Pete there. Yeah, absolutely. Like the lines, I, I made a tweet. You know, line speed was pathetic, contact was worse, and that that was the game. And and yeah, and KP was still worse than that, and Bradman was almost anonymous. Um, yeah, no, nah, Pete spot on there. Now, mate, this is actually breaking news, and I'm so I think this is something very much worth talking about before we get onto the next question. Brisbane Broncos are out of the NRLW season. They have lost twenty two to eighteen, uh, twenty two to sixteen to the Roosters. Uh, it'll be an all-Sydney grand final, and Brisbane missed their first grand wow. final in NRLW history. Wow. I, when we started recording, it was 16-4 Brisbane. Um, <laughs> Isabel, Isabel Kelly just scored to make it 16-4. Wow, that's a shock. Um, that is a huge boy. I think it makes the Dragons run favourites next week now. Absolutely, it does. And a couple of things there. One, it's obviously great for... Great for sport. Everyone loves streaks and they love dynasties. But although, um, although we, I will say that they put the grand final in Brisbane next week, thinking the Broncos would be there. <laughs> um, the second thing out of that as well is that that's yeah, that, that's the other thing about the NRLW. Like, anything's possible. 
you know, the Roosters scraped into that um, top four and they're in a grand final next week. So, yeah, but um, huge results uh, coming there out of the NRLW. It's it, it what the competition needed before it expands again. It needed, it needed to prove that Brisbane were beatable. And, it, and hopefully it also means that those Brisbane, that Brisbane team might be wobbling to break, get broken up now. Mate, uh, Taser Ramon at Budawin Yellow wants to know what flavour of milkshake uh, do you think Wayne Bennett drinks? <laughs> I like well, drink strawberry just to make just to keep Kalen happy. Mixed in with some yeah, Gaviscon, Metamucil, orange <laughs> juice, all shoved in there. Uh, look, we always do enjoy your input as always, um, Budu. No, no, uh, we don't. We, we, we go away forever. <laughs> Lambretta at Lambretta GP1971. He says, if you lose one and you win one for the next two, based on your pre-season thoughts, will a three and three start feel like overachievement, underachievement, or par when you consider your opponents thus far? I have an answer to this, Bruno. Your thoughts? If you offered me three and three, at the, like the, the day before game one, I would have snatched your arm off. Yeah. Reckon you're going to take three and three. Knowing that we had no Braley, we had Penrith Roosters, Cronulla away, um, mainly at you know mainly at home. If you said well three and three, I would have taken it. After two and zero start, it doesn't quite seem as as palatable. But no, if you, three and three, I think is perfectly perfectly fine with the start of the competition we've had, and and especially now the the injuries we've had too. I completely agree with you on, on all fronts. Um, I think asking that question right now. Three and three will definitely feel like an underachievement. But if you'd asked me that before the season started, I would have uh, said massive overachievement. And if, I would you, take... if you remember in our preview, I, I said when we talk about like Brayley getting back, would he get back and we're already dead? I actually suggested that, you know we could quite easily be two and seven. Are we are we gone? And you know, so so two and seven, you know, was more than more than possible. I thought. Yep. To be three and three in, in that in that sort of context, yeah, that's perfectly acceptable. Daz Daz Blythe at Daz Blythe wants Blythe, Daz Blythe wants to know, is there a legit purpose for Ponga standing next to dummy half when we are attacking? So this has come up a lot over the weekend, and you and I sort of touched on it a bit before. KP hovering around the ruck, um, but just really getting in the way more. But it, that was something we were sort of happy to see. Like we wanted to see him do that and getting a bit more involved, but it just seems so aimless now. He just seems to be standing there for the purposes of standing there on Friday. Yeah, like initially um, in the Roosters game, I thought it was a tactic. Like it's clearly a coach tactic in terms of, you know, seeing what can bob up around the thing and sort of half coaching around the ruck. It's cl- so it's clearly coming from the coaching staff in the preseason. But he doesn't actually do anything. No. He just – it all means that he's then in the middle. So that if someone gets half a sort of a good ball away, there's, there's no KP too off the ruck to exploit a retreating defensive line. All you've got is KP stuck there in the middle with all the other you – know, where there's the most defenders. I don't – yeah. It makes no sense to me. Smarter men than me have clearly coached it. But, yeah, I don't know. So um... – Daz, there, there must be a purpose for him doing it. I don't think he's doing that off his own bat, but um, from watching it and particularly watching it on on Friday, yeah, it, uh, the purpose for it isn't yet apparent. Uh, Mr. Jones, yeah, like even that sort of stuff. 
even, even, wait a second, even that sort of stuff just plays into the thing of not caring, being lazy, you know, just worried about himself. Like, it's just – the optics of all of it is just awful at the moment. Mm. Yeah, something something what something just genuinely was not right on 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 Friday. And we need to sort of clarify as well, it was only his second game this year. Like, we had no issues with what he was doing on uh, on in round one. And if anything, we loved the fact that he had a, an, a you know, above-average game – but we played ex- exceptionally well without him being the reason. We, we, we're not saying that KP needs to be exceptional every week, but what we are saying is that we needed him to do a lot more than he did on on Friday. And um, yeah, what he did do was disappointing and just just not good enough for your for your star man. Yeah, he actually uh, hurt us. Like at the end of the day, he actually him being on the field actually hurt us. Yeah, Mr. Jones at Maitland Mumbler wants to know if you, if someone talks shit about your headgear, is it okay to slap them? I I think. It would be um, an embarrassment if you didn't. Yeah, absolutely. No, yeah, that's that's a no-brainer. Yeah, straight, straight in, straight into it. Meek at M Meek nineteen eighty-seven. What happened against the Sharks? It was twenty twenty slash twenty twenty-one all over again. Though the gritty defence deserves praise once again. Um, as we've discussed before, I, I, it, it, we, it's not yet apparent if it's the same old team from the last two years. And the reason is, is that um, the defensive resolve that we did show in light of just utter domination suggests that we're, we're, we're not yet creeping back into bad habits. He put the same caveat on we did, you know, the, the scramble was still okay, so there's still signs that hopefully we have turned the corner. Um, Meek at and Meek 1987 again. Where does our aggression in the forwards come from when Clem and Barney are out? This is a great question. Um, we love the Saifidi boys, love Leo Thompson as well. They give us good meters and they give us great work. But do they give us that aggression that we're sort of lacking um, from, from the likes of David Clemmer? I mean, Tyson Frizzell as well is dynamic He's athletic, he's powerful, but you wouldn't call him aggressive. So where are we, where are we getting that aggression from without um, certainly Clem, uh, to a lesser extent, uh, Mitchell Barnett? Yeah, we, 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 we aren't. It's as simple as that, mate. We don't. The SAFs, for as great as they are and, you know, and, the, and they're outstanding, um, they, there's no aggression in them. That's not, that's not who they are. It's not in their personality. And that's fine. They don't need to be. Um, we don't, you know, that's not their role. But... It shows that we, you know, and by playing Kurt Mann at um, lock, um, you know, he's he's not a forward, so he's not he's not naturally aggressive. Jesse Sue, I suppose, is someone that can come in and you know throw his weight around. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, Pasami Solo, maybe, maybe like we've, we've all sort of thrown Pasami in the scrap heap. But there's one thing about Pasami, he's aggressive. Mm. Um, just just adds he through, you know, throwing the lifeline and say, mate, I want the aggression without the penalties. If you can give it to me, you've got to spot the team. If you can't. You're looking for a new club next year. Is, is that the way we go? Yeah. No, I, I uh, think. Yeah, I, think I, that's, I, don't, uh, I honestly don't know where it comes from just because the, the the team the other night had none in it. Um, yeah, and Clem, Clem's not the old fiery Clem, but as me and Harry Remy's like to call him, he's the sheriff. Ever since he's been in in town, team, teams don't walk all over the nights anymore because Clem's still got that aura about him. And um, yeah, without Clem there, we yeah we definitely looked pretty meek. Uh, this is an interesting question. <laughs> I don't know if I should read it out. I'm going to. Our Lord and Saviour at Strawberry Kalen wants to know, will my Lord and Saviour actually leave me? <laughs> he, 
Mate, I'm going to type question that. at Strawberry Cow. One of the best accounts on Twitter, by the way. Give it a follow if you, if you haven't followed it. I'm going, to tie that, I'm going to tie that into our next question, which is from Karate Warrior 2 at M-E, or me underscore DC. And can I say, if you're listening to us, you're probably already following this guy on Twitter, but jump on his account if you're not already. He's one of the best one of the best NRL accounts out there for yet, uh, you know, albeit one of the best Tigers fans out there. Anyway, he says, what are the Bay Reasonable 50... Tigers fan. What else did you ask for? What are the Bay 53 betting odds on Ponga staying legit? Um, we did have a, so we discussed this, uh, my take on it at the moment, I've got two sets of odds. I think Kalen to stay has blown out from three to one out to five to one, maybe six to one. I think Ponga to leave has, I, I think they were sitting very, very comfortably out at a hundred to one. But I think that's come that's come straight in down to fifteen to one after this weekend. So I still think he's more likely to stay, but um, those odds are tightening up very big on him leaving, unfortunately. So yeah, like I, I, I enjoy a punt. Like I, I look at these things on what odds would I take? Would I be happy to take on something happening? So for me to back Kalen leaving two weeks ago, I wouldn't have taken anything less than. 30 to 1. <coughs> Which is massive odds in a two-horse race. It's either a yes or a no. I'd, I'd step in now at 6 to 1. Yeah, because I think that he's still far less likely to leave than stay. But it's, yeah, it's more than, more than, you know, um, in the ballpark. I think it shows a lot how it can change in a few days. I mean, if you'd asked us this question a few days ago, it would have given you a drastically different answer. But um, Yeah, and if, no. he came, if he comes up on Friday, no one would have cared about the betting with Wayne because we would have <laughs> thought it was him telling Wayne to go get stuff. <laughs> and, you know, that, that's something that sort of we probably should mention is that for all we know, Kalen Ponger may well have just been doing the courtesy of one of the greatest coaches of all time to say face to his face, look, oh, I'm comfortable where I am. I really appreciate the offer. Thanks for letting me. I'm happy to hear you out, but um, all the best with your new franchise. You know that that may well have been the conversation that they had. I like to think he's he's taken the meeting on behalf of our good friend at Not LVO Five, and given um, Wayne the uh, Will Smith treatment. <laughs> so he's gone. Uh, yeah, yeah, Wayne. Thanks, thanks for the invite. It's, yeah, Shelby Milkshake was lovely, pal. And my friend Elvie sent me down to uh, send you this, pal, and just laid him one across the chops. <laughs> Mate, that def- I, I, that that lunch would have definitely been uh, less than secret. I think if that had uh, had happened, I right, Lambretta at Lambretta GP nineteen seventy one has stuck around and he's asked us. Bradman Best had the least amount of touches out of all your outside backs last week. What has to happen to get him more involved? Now our good friend at Harvey G has wasted no time in um, essentially giving the answer that we gave earlier. Go get the ball, Braddy. Correct. 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 I think um, Bradman, Bradman, it's got to the point now where Bradman can't keep blaming the attack. Yeah. The attack was part of it. There's no doubt he wasn't getting enough ball, early enough ball. But maybe he needs to be a bit of a Justin Hodges. Get in a dummy half and you know, push a few people away and, and bust the line open, you know? If Bradman is what we think Bradman is, Bradman needs to go in and make a difference. I'm not saying go in there and you know be a battering ram and, and break your body, 
but pick your moment. Get in a dummy half, you know. Make a 15-meter run to help your team. Push a few defenders off, make half a break. All those things that great players do. Jonathan Thurston used to do that, mate. Jonathan Thurston used to get in a dummy half if he thought something needed to happen and try and, and try and make something happen from there. You know, like, just do something, mate. You, you definitely get the impression with Bradman that he's still playing the game in terms of he's waiting He's waiting to be given the opportunity. Uh, I'm a, a big fan of uh, – I follow uh, Mitch Doyle on Twitter, and he was essentially saying the same thing about Katoni Staggs. Like, he's, he's losing his mind at how much the commentators are complaining – that they don't get early ball to Tony Staggs at one point. <laughs> I thought this was great, a great tweet. He was happy that uh, they'd moved Tony Staggs into the halves because he's like, good, he could get early ball to himself. Um, but he did point out, go, go and find the ball, mate. Stop waiting for the ball to come your way. So go yeah, in there we, and get it. We dodged go, mate. there, didn't we? You know, we're so close to getting... We're so close to getting Katoni, we could have um, we could have had Brabant on one side, Katoni on the other side, neither of them getting any ball. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't that have been awesome? About 1.3, 1.4 of our salary cap tied up in two blokes <laughs> that don't want to go near the football. <laughs> hey, I'll jump very quickly over to Instagram. I think this is our last uh, question comment. Um, and this is from Grant Morgan, big fan. He's um, And he's been a bit, very big, um, big supporter of ours. He has hate rugby league media because I can't go a week without a manufactured crisis. We should be focused on talking about the Knights' back row crisis. So here's my question. Obviously, the long-term solution is developing a local junior or speculative speculative kid like from Wigan, but what do you see our best medium, short, um, and long-term solutions to deal with these weaknesses? It's, it's a tough question. I genuinely don't know the answer to this at the moment because yeah, you know, Lockie's out, Mitch is out, Tyson's about to be out. Like, that's three big back row injuries that no team should be sort of forced to deal with. And at the moment, on the market, short of uh, Luciano Leilua coming in for a gun-for-hire mercenary um, short-term role, what do you do? Like, who do we do? What do you do in the short term? You, you really have to look internal, unfortunately. Well, not unfortunately. It's just that that, that you know we need to do, and I and I haven't thought about it enough to sort of think about. It. We need to find what Manly found when they got Joel Thompson towards the end of his career, yeah. a guy that was just it's just a solid first grader, but always had the potential in the right team in the right system to be a really really good first grader. We need to find that guy, and I mean, and, and there's I don't know. That's it. I haven't researched it and thought about it hard enough, but the, those guys are there. They're there to be found by the right clubs that go looking in the right areas. That's what we need to do. We need to find a guy that can be pride out of his club, that, you know, that wants mm. to, the, whether it's, they play for a club down the bottom of the table and they want to, you know, play a club that's likely to play finals or whatever it is, or, you know, they're, they're, play, they're on the fringes and not quite getting a run in one of the top clubs. Um, yeah, we, we need to, we, but we, we, I don't think in terms of at, right at the moment, we, we need a kid. Like, Nan and I would be great long-term, but we need an experienced first grade on one of those edges now because... Tyson, it all relies on Tyson at the moment because and he, we've all, we know that Tyson has a few leg injuries, can, you know, get a knock here and there. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't have confidence in us being able to keep the edges solid throughout a season. Um, Brody Jones can do, can do the job. I, I, I like Brody, but I, we really need someone that can play 20, 22 games a year every year. I think uh, I think Tyson Frizzell's fitness will be a very big um, big outcome, depending on what 
you know, the scans showing his hamstring. Because as he said, he said, I've never done my hamstring before. As you said, um, it may well have just been cramp. He, he looked like he was about to run back on at one point. So I think, um, I think. Yeah, well, in, in, in the in the commentary on uh, Fox, they said that, you know, they were, they were giving a fitness test on that. So there's no way you'd be getting to do it you're running if you thought he tore his hamstring. Yeah. So if we, if we had a full week turnaround, I think he might, he might have been a chance. But I don't think there's any chance they'd risk him on six days. Uh, still, though, you know, there's a lot there to sort of be excited about in terms of um, Thursday night's game. You know, another another home game. So, is this legit? You said something before. Is this legit? Our first Thursday night game at McDonald Jones Stadium. Is it that happy, right? We had we hadn't played any we hadn't played any Thursday night games till last year. Oh. Well, last year was our first ever Thursday night game. That Penrith game away was our first ever Thursday night game. Yep, I remember that. Um, yeah, no, this is yeah. This is our first Thursday night home game. I think a big test for the for the local crowd. Then um, get out there in your numbers. I mean, one of the reasons that they sort of keep um, kept slotting us in at six pm on a Friday was we kept showing up. Well, let's let's show up in even bigger bigger numbers on Thursday night and get a big uh, big crowd there for uh, a game against an old rival. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's um, you know, it's manly. It's it's. I, th- I think it's one of those games where I think we'll get about 15,000. That'll be sort of the greater Newcastle area. We just won't get that travelling visitor. People won't be coming down from the valley and that like they normally would. Because obviously, yeah. you know, by the time you get home, you get home after midnight and stuff. But um, no, I still think they'll get a solid 15,000 there. Come on, mate. Let's get our two early um, tips in for uh, NRL round five. Lock in the nights on um, Thursday night, 6 p.m. Friday. Man, uh, sorry, Manly. Warriors are hosting the Cowboys. Uh, the Warriors. Absolutely. The uh, Broncos are then hosting the Roosters. Roosters? I think that's going to be a close Although one. Although, you know, I actually think the Broncos are a fair chance of bouncing back and giving a good run for their money there. The yeah. Broncos, you know, even even under the heavy struggles, they've generally been pretty good at bouncing back after a disappointing loss. Now, uh, Raiders are hosting the Storm. Do you go with the Raiders' curse or are the Storm just they, – they're – they're playing too well, or Raiders, Raiders are too out of form. Who have who, you got in this one? Yeah, no, nah, I, I think Storm got too many points in them for the Raiders. Uh, um, Ra- yeah, I know, I know the curse is there, but no, nah, I think the Storm will score 20, 24 points at least, and I think the Raiders can. Uh, Raptors uh, against the Dragons? Ah, uh, South. Titans hosting the Eels? Um, what do you reckon, Parramatta? I'm going with Parramatta. We haven't talked. We didn't talk. I just about always, it. I, I'm always just if you like, I'm, I'm always just if because Parramatta are generally pretty ordinary in, in a state, and yep. the Titans, you know, they'll always pop up and beat a good side every now and then. But what, what do you reckon? We didn't really talk about it much, and we sort of overlooked because I wanted to jump straight into the Knights. But um, at Titans, that Titans Tigers game was just it was awful. It was terrible, and uh, the Titans sort of um, they get away with a two point win off a miss kick off the posts relying on a Tigers player dropping the ball in goal to score their only try of the game against the against the Tigers. Yeah, that that's that's not a very convincing outcome. So uh, I'm, I'm on the eels on this one, if only because what the Titans showed us against the Tigers on Thursday, they need to be considerably better than that, um, even factoring in how badly the eels travel. And if it, and if it's my agenda, or if it's our agenda, that you know, we're, we're anti-Titans. Correct. Uh, Sharks hosting the Tigers. 
Uh, Sharks. I think the Sharks are going to do awful, awful things to Wests. Yeah, team. I yeah. You think they mauled our our pack? My goodness, James Tarmo may never get up. <laughs> they may just bury him in the middle of Shark Park. Uh, I think the Sharks are going to get uh, Madge sacked next weekend as well. One thing I will say is that the Tigers apparently are a bit iffy on Alex Twole. Get on the phone to him. Oh yeah. Get on the phone to him, Uncle Phil. Alex Twole, you know. He's no superstar, but he'll make you 40 tackles every game if you let him play 70 minutes. I would love nothing more than for Alex Twoll to score his first try in first grade uh, wearing a Newcastle Knights jersey. Yeah, I, I love that. Uh, and the no, Bulldogs be better. Host- it was next year. It was next year against the Dolphins. Just upset our physio. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and uh, Bulldogs hosting the Panthers. Uh, Penrith by as much as they can put on the scoreboard. Uh, Bulldogs are $5 outsiders, but West Tigers are the biggest outsiders of the weekend, $5.50 against the Sharks. In no surprise to anybody else as well, the Knights hosting the Sea Eagles are the uh, outsiders in that one. Mate, uh, how are your Supercoach comps going um, are you fighting the good Bay 53 fight or are, um, are there better coaches out there than you, which I immediately refuse to believe? <laughs> no, we're going well. We, 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 um, the first round we were a bit rough. We didn't have, but last week we had a couple of convincing wins and we, we look like having two more this week. Um, those, I've been having a bit of a scroll actually this morning through, through some of the, the, the matchups and there's some really close matchups. So, um, there'll be a few guys sweating it out this afternoon in this afternoon's games and overnight waiting for updates. But no, we've got some really competitive leagues there. I think, um, I think it's going to be a really tough fight to see who makes the eight. And yeah, they, I don't think there'll be any any favourite uh, for who's going to take the title at the end. It's um, it's going to be a good competition. But COVID, COVID, I think a lot of playing havoc. Havoc, like you literally got to check your phone before every game to make sure no one's got COVID or you, you miss a player. And it happened, it's happened to me two weeks in a row now. I've got, had, a, had to have an um, auto emergency put in because someone's had COVID and I didn't know. And, yeah. Um, we've been getting some really good input from uh, all of our judges with the, uh, the Robbie M voting. Can I say as well to everybody, no, Mitchell Barnett is not disqualified from... Um, from uh, getting votes for the rest of the season because you've got to remember if we do something to him we have to make that consistent in terms of what we may have to do to every other player who might cop suspension so uh, I think what we're yeah, going right. to someone gets, someone gets a one week out and then you know they're, they're out of it yeah so I think what but, we might but, do but is... by, by all means hold a grudge don't give him points just because you know you hold a grudge <laughs> by all means do that <laughs> But um, just uh, FYI, at the moment, uh, Barney is sitting on negative uh, 1,017 points for the season. Uh, so it's not looking uh, it's not looking good for him, uh, his chances of um, winning the, the Robbie M uh, medal. The two-time Getty Badiris medalist. <laughs> well, he's, he's certainly... No, no, yeah, no-time Robbie M medalist at this rate. Um, Jake Clifford having a great start to the season, though the fans are getting right behind Jake, and uh, I, I'd probably back that. I think he's, um, I think he's had a superb start to his year for us. Um, you know, sort of taking control of that team. Yeah, well, at, the, at this early stage, I would say that the two standout. You know, if you're, if you're trying to pick who's going to win the award, for mine would be uh, Frizz and and Cliff. Oh, probably Gags. Probably those three. 
I think he's had the yeah. three. The game's obviously missed a few games over the Origin period. Freeze maybe two. He's sort of probably 50-50 for the Origin team. But no, um, I think those three have shown that they might be the, the clear-cut favourites for the comp. I won't lie. We, we said to some of the some of the people judging, we said, oh, we didn't factor on the Knights playing as badly as they did on a Friday. A lot of people were struggling. Well, norm- normally, like even when you play when you play badly, there's some guys that stand out, and there was literally nobody. They were all yeah. You know, they went from poor to let's not even talk about it. Yeah, but um, but no, they, uh, they we got a fair few sort of votes rolling in, and um, it was difficult to distribute all seventeen, but not impossible. Brett, I think we might. Um, I think we might leave it there, mate. Uh, always, um, always good to have a chat. You keen for Thursday night? You going? Yeah, I'm going, mate. I'm going. Assuming you, know, I, don't, I don't get the, the spicy cough. Yeah. But no, I think there'll be a reasonable crowd there for Thursday night. No, it should be good. Look, it's always good to be um, to be at home in Newcastle, uh, hosting Manly. So, um, um, yeah, fingers crossed, I get there too. Hey, we might uh, we might wrap it up. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks, guys. Sports Best Friends would like to thank you for listening right to the end. You are our kind of people. Find other great sports podcasts in our family by subscribing. And remember, social media isn't a bad place. You just need to follow the right people.